Fires, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. It's Victory Lane. Glad you are joining me today. I'm back from Sonoma as I got sunburnt, very sunburnt, as you see from the episode title. Enjoy the K&N West race and the cup race as well. Actually had a little wine in wine country, which is kind of unlike me if you know me. We will hear from all major parties involved, and we're going to recap what happened over the weekend. Plus, we'll preview Chicagoland and Roseburg at Douglas County Speedway out in Oregon for K&N West briefly. And as I start off all my episodes usually by saying, go ahead, Daryl Waltrip, get her revved up, there's no more Daryl Waltrip. So I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, Can you guys let me know what we should do to open up the show from now on? Because I don't want to do boogity, boogity, boogity because there's no boogity, boogity, boogity anymore. So leave a rating, leave a review, tweet me, text me, call me. You know how to reach me. Tell me what we should do to open the podcast. I really don't know. Maybe we should get Lee Diffie to record a bring the action or something like that. I I really don't know. So you know what I'm going to do instead of boogity, boogity, boogity? I'm going to put this little car sound effect in there and we're going to transition. Yeah, that was great. Procore 200 and Toyota Save Mart 350 from Sonoma Raceway. Let's start off with k West. But before that, I want to tell you guys about my Thursday in the San Francisco area because if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat, I... San Francisco is just amazing. Like, I I love it. Uh, hit up everywhere. Was such a tourist. Uh, got off the plane. Went straight to Oracle Park, better known as AT&T Park, better known as where the San Francisco Giants play. For my money, the most beautiful stadium in America across all sports. The history that comes along with it, the views that you get, the colors, the amenities, Everything that goes along with that ballpark is just, it's top-notch. It was unreal. I wish I could have seen a game there, but took a tour of that. It was very fun, very awesome. Drove over to Fisherman's Wharf at Pier 39. That was also really, really cool. I got lucky all day with the weather because in the Bay Area, sometimes it's kind of muggy and hazy and very cloudy, but today it was picture per I mean, that day it was picture perfect. So went over to Fisherman's Wharf. Uh, went out to the pier, looked at Alcatraz, said hello, goodbye, don't want to do anything with you today. Got a churro, got a clam chowder and a sourdough bread bowl at Boudin. Uh, got a t-shirt because I'm a tourist and I love San Francisco, that was great. Drove over to the Coit Tower, went up top for 9 bucks. saw a really cool 360 degree view of the entire city, that was sick. Drove over to Lombard Street. Drove down at once, came back up, drove down it again while recording on my phone. Don't do that, kids. I'm a bad example. Went over to the Golden Gate Overlook in the Presidio. Uh, that that was literally one of those moments where I, I was I walked up there. I turned to the left. I saw a bunch of houses on the water that reminded me of the Amalfi Coast in Italy. 
And I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. And then I looked over to the right and the bridge was right there. And I literally, by the way, I'm alone for all of this all day. I literally like said out loud to myself, oh my God. And it was, it was just insane. I called a couple of people, FaceTimed them. I was like, you, you got to see this. And it was, it was just so cool. So amazing. Then I went over the Golden Gate Bridge to Sausalito, got dinner at some like fancy-ish seafood place on the water that I was unaware was fancy. So that was kind of funny uh, in shorts and a t-shirt. And then I drove back to Benicia for my stay. And I was staying there because Canon West was in action. So Friday we had practice. The JPR cars were quick to nobody's surprise. Uh, we did something new with the videos for NASCAR home tracks as well. Hope Hope you guys are enjoying those and will continue to enjoy those as well. Instead of just putting the camera in the driver's face and telling them to speak, we're trying to make it more personable, more, I don't know, more professional. So it's going to be an interview type deal where I'm actually asking them questions and they're responding and it looks somewhat professional, but it's all shot on an iPhone. So hope you enjoy that. Saturday rolls around. Haley Deegan somehow, some way, picked up over a second, almost a second and a half from practice. She wins the pole for the race on Saturday afternoon, her second pole of the year. Uh, there's a really funny video of her running back down pit road to her team to congratulate them. And I was trying to take a video of her to tweet it out on the home tracks account. And she literally like looks in the camera, she's like, Hi Davey, I got first. And it was just like the most it was the most like random thing ever. I know my boy Aaron Fisher for listening. You love that. <laughs> it was it was so funny. Um, so let's get to the race. Noah Gregson starts second, takes the initial uh, lead from Haley on the start. He had the quickest car throughout the entirety of the race. So he led pretty much the entire first half. But then, after a caution came out, he gets black flagged for jumping the start as the leader, which, in my estimation and in his opinion as well, was questionable to say the least. So he has to go back to the rear. He slowly, methodically works his way back up inside the top 20, top 15, top 10, top 5, and he's in position to pounce. And as we all saw on the final green-white checkered overtime restart, seemed like there were 10 of them, Ryan Priest, Gregson's teammate at JPR for this weekend, he was the leader. And he gets black flagged for jumping the final restart. So although the caution comes out and the field is frozen as they took the white flag, uh, he is not scored the leader. He gets bogged down to 20th place. So the driver who's in second place at that time, which was Noah, he is scored the winner in P1. So Noah wins for the fifth time in his k West career, the first time in his career at Sonoma. Kind of a little bit of redemption story as he got beat by Chase Elliott a few years back. And I was on pit road standing with Heather DeBow, um, NBC reporter. Heather, I know you listen. Shout out to you. You're the best. Um, and a couple other people. And I was honestly trying to figure out what was going on. I was listening to Noah's radio. I was listening to Priest's radio. I was trying to listen to NASCAR. I was watching the scoreboard. And I was like, what? Like, what? What? What is? What? Like, what? What just happened? It was bizarre. Like, you don't see restart violations in K N at all. Then he had two of them uh, with the two leaders. And then there was a whole aspect which Noah's going to talk about, um, and I'll let uh, I'll let him do it, so I won't spoil it. But with the restarts, it, it was wild. So let's start with that. Noah had to start in third a couple times in a row on those final restarts because of a rule in the K&M Pro Series with restarts that say you are going to be restarted in your position that you originally restarted that specific restart unless you complete one full lap. 
Hopefully that made sense. So what happened was they kept going green, and since the laps at Sonoma are so long, 2.52 miles, caution kept flying, and then the field was frozen and reverted back to the original restart order. So Noah made his way up to second, and the lead for a second on some of those restarts, but then he got sent back to third, and it was just too difficult for him to do again and again and again. But at the end of the day, he was talking to us in the media center as a winner. It's extremely difficult because uh, we had to start in the back for the for the second half of the race, and uh, basically the last car on the lead lap, essentially, um, because we had to do a pass-through penalty for jumping the start. Um, so I guess uh, it come, came back around there at the end um, with a 47, and I don't like winning a race like that, but eye for an eye, and it, uh, it made it extremely challenging because I, I had to work ex- overly hard to be able to get back up to the front um, there in, in the late stages because the start of the second stage, I, I had to uh, really burn my tires up just to make passes and get up there, and then we'd... Uh, I think I got up to third, and that's not the preferred line to be on the inside for the first turn um, leading up to the second turn. It kind of sucks. So uh, overall, I feel like uh, I kind of burnt my stuff up. I don't know if I had anything for the 47 or the 50. Um, I think if I would have been able to keep my position once I passed them under green instead of getting reverted to the lap before, we could have ran with them, but I'd always get put behind on the restarts on the green-white checkers. So um, the last four or five green-white checkers uh, really sucked. So I don't know if they need to revisit the rule book for, uh, for these road courses or, or whatnot, but it makes it extremely challenging when they revert the field back and, uh, and you don't get rewarded. You almost get penalized for passing somebody on a green-white checkered when the caution comes out and you don't complete the lap. So overall, just uh, very thankful. It ended up all right for our Jefferson Pitts switch team today, and uh, I started my career with these guys, so it feels good to, to get back to victory lane with them. Oh, by the way, Noah, if you didn't know, happens to throw up after a lot of his wins and he did it again like I was I was waiting for him to be chill about it to K&N race but he threw up again so I asked him in victory lane I was like all right can we just like get this out of the way what happened um and I'll let you hear from him here but in that interview which is on the NASCAR home tracks Twitter he essentially said and it actually kind of makes sense so they brought him water during the red flag and it was really hot on Saturday at Sonoma and he chugged it And then on the last lap, he's holding his breath because he's adrenaline pumping. He's up on the wheel. And then when he finally starts to breathe, I think the way he said it was that it all just bubbles up and comes out. So it's like boiling water or something. I I don't know. Regardless, he spoke on that as well. The fact that he's going to have to like trademark him puking after he wins a race. They gave us water on, I don't know, their 10 green white checkers. It felt like probably the second to last one, third to last one. And, um, I, I've never drank a bottle of water so fast in my life, but, um, I did today inside the car and it was a cold bottle of water and I sucked that thing down, uh, quickly. And I held my breath for the last green, I guess, two green white checkers and was doing a burnout, climbed the fence. And then I don't know, it all came out for some reason. It's like running a mile. You're going to have to trademark it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if it, if I'm throwing up, hopefully it's not like. I'm sick. I'm, I'm all right. But if I'm throwing up after the race, I, I guess it means that I did a good job because I'll be in victory lane hopefully. And um, the only times I've thrown up after the races were uh, when I won. So it feels good. 
Jefferson Pitts Racing is just absolutely dominant. I think this was their 10th or 11th win in their last 12 road course races spanning east and west. It's just insane numbers that they've put up and that Noah's put up with them as well. And I asked him what it was about this specific team going right and left that makes them so good. Granted, their oval stuff is good, as I say right here, but it's something about road courses that this team just thrives on. You have an extensive background running with them. What is it about this team on road courses that makes them so much better than they are on ovals? Granted, they are great on ovals, but specifically going right and left and with you behind the wheel, what what makes them so much better than everybody else? I think uh, they they put a lot of time and effort into their oval um, oval stuff, but uh, I don't know what it is. If, if I knew and everyone else knew, I think uh, they'd be a lot better. I know the BMR stuff's pretty good, but... Uh, but this Jefferson Pitts racing team, they, they always have really good drivers in their cars. And um, Ryan Priest and Austin Dillon, they're no slouches. They're, they're really good drivers, and they're, and they're Cup Series drivers. They've, they've won some big races. Ryan's run won Xfinity races. Uh, Austin's won Cup races. So um, you have to be a good driver to win, win in those series, in my opinion. So I think having good race cars and, and good drivers um, is a big part of it. And then... And really, the setup hasn't changed in a while, probably seven or eight years. So a lot of the credit goes back to Greg Persley. When it was Gene Price Motorsports, he kind of developed this package with uh, Jeff, or Jerry Pitts, my crew chief, who, uh, who I ran with in 2015, 2016, and also uh, was my crew chief this weekend. They developed it, and it's been uh, extremely close to how it was back in the day, just maybe finer tune tweaks um, to make it ticks better. Just one more quick one. It, it seemed like your car also could maneuver pretty much wherever, whenever. Is this the best road course car that you've had since racing with JPR in k Honestly, it's probably the worst one I've ever had, and I don't want to make it sound bad. It was obviously really good, but all through practice, I know we were fastest in practice by like a, a 1.2 seconds, but uh, overall I, I wasn't satisfied last night, and I was kind of down um, on how this race was going to, go down um today just because it wasn't the feel that i wanted it was a different feel and i think the general tire it's a different tire i don't want to say um it's just different it's it's no better no worse it's just different handling um especially here and it's, it's like a knife edge you barely slip over that tire um peak and, and oversaturate it and it's a it spikes the the air pressure up it spikes the heat up in the tire and um you kind of are slipping sliding for three or four laps until you you can uh, get it covered again and, and cooled down, and then you can go back to, to doing what you need to do. But just being smooth means smart all race. Um, we battled a lot of adversity, but um, it was that never quit, never quit mentality that kept us uh, kept us in the fight and somehow ended up working in our favor there at the end. So there you have it, the winner of the Procore 200, Noah Grakes, in his fifth K&N West win. And his teammate, who wound up finishing 20th but crossed the line in first, was Ryan Priest. That did not seem to sweeten the tea, so to speak, for Mr. Priest. He was not shy about the criticism to NASCAR and the sanctioning body about this finish. I was in victory lane and saw Ryan over there talking to Claire B. Lang from SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. So, stuck my phone in there, got a good audio clip, and uh, let's just say he, he was not mincing words. What are you going to do? I mean, it's their playground. It's their sandbox. They're going to do what they want. They manipulated the they manipulated the race at the end of the day, and 
we won that race. Talk about the difference between jumping a restart and making it. Jumping a restart is going two car lengths early, putting a solid restart together and getting traction and, and playing a game of chess, kind of understanding what gear someone else is in versus what you are in to get the best possible restart you can is uh, it's part of it. And, uh, I mean, you might as well hold my hands behind my back and tie them up if you're going to make me go at the same line every single time. Talk about, uh, I would like to add to that, talk about that into the race on Sunday to today's race. This was totally different. I'm just pissed off. I like to win races. That, uh, when you get them robbed like that, it's some bullshit. Told you he wasn't mincing words, and frankly, I, I kind of agree with him. Daniel Hemrick came home in second place. He led a lap or two, I believe, and Austin Dillon was the third of the four JPR cars in terms of speed, and he came home in third. He also spoke on the aggressiveness overall in the KM Pro Series and in this race throughout the 54 or 56 laps, whatever it was. That's the way it's supposed to be. I didn't get enough really at the end and need to be a little more aggressive. I could have made one more pass in 11 at the end, but that was on my teammate and uh, I didn't feel like I needed to make it really there for a second because if I could have got to Noah, it would have been a little different. Um, but we were pretty aggressive the most of the race and um, our car, we had a little skip in the engine. I couldn't get it out. We were going to try and fix it at the halfway mark, and it kind of just hurt my launch on this restart, so I couldn't do a whole lot until the motor got wound up. The car was really good on the long run, and uh, it was not a long run at the end, just a bunch of short runs, so just kind of fought for what I had, but Noah's car seemed to have more speed than everybody there. Um, we just I couldn't get the motor to clean up on the, in, on the restarts, and that kind of gapped me too much. Before we move on to Sunday's race, I just want to tie up a couple loose ends that have to do with the K&N West regulars. So Derek Krause ended up having a fuel pump issue around the midpoint of the race just before. So he comes down pit road, and he told me this week there's an article on NASCARHomeTracks.com you can feel free to check out, that he's kind of thankful that it happened in turn seven because if it happened after the entrance to pit road, they, they might have been screwed, like really screwed. So they came to pit road, went three laps down trying to diagnose and subsequently fix the problem. They did so, got back out there, got three free passes in a row, and somehow were in position to finish top 10 at the end of this thing. Like they were 12th on one of the final restarts, but ended up getting into Trevor Huddleston on the final lap going down through the S's. Spun out and finished in 18th place, I believe. So he came into Sonoma with a... I wouldn't say pretty substantial points lead, but he was feeling comfortable, and he leaves with the points lead, which is kind of a win in and of itself, but he's only up one point over his Bill McAnally racing teammate, Haley Deegan. So as we go to Oregon this weekend, we're going to see how that points battle begins to shake out. So that was Saturday. Sunday came around, and well, it wasn't great. (laughs) Uh, Only two cautions happened in the entire event, and they were both for stages. And that was kind of it. (laughs) Uh, The strategy play was somewhat minimal because the crew chiefs could plan around the stage breaks. uh, And it ended up coming down to two JGR teammates. It was Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern and Kyle Busch and Adam Stevens. And when it came down to it, the 18 of Busch and Stevens opted to pit a few laps after Truex did for their final stop for fresher tires on the last run. So Kyle caught up a little bit. He gained like a lot of ground in the first 10 or 15 laps, but then he stalled out with about, I don't know, 10 or so laps to go. And Truex holds on, and he wins the race. His fourth win of the season, I believe. Um, And there's been a lot of talk this week about Martin Truex Jr. putting up some Hall of Fame numbers, and when you look at his resume, is he a Hall of Famer? I think at this point, it's it's borderline no-brainer 
that he is. Let me know what you guys think. So let's ask Martin, what was the mindset of the last 20 or so laps as you knew that Kyle Busch was coming for you? Uh, just trying to trying to get all I could out of the car and not not burn my tires up too much um, and just hit my marks. You know, I, I knew that, um, you know, he pitted a little bit later there at the end, so he had a little fresher tires and he was beating us pretty good there for a while. And I just had to had to try to manage my car the best I could to not burn the tires off trying to go faster than I wanted to go. And I knew if we could just maintain a decent gap for long enough that we would start to equal out. And with 10 to go, we, we were equal in lap times. And then from there, it was like, all right, you just got to run 10 perfect laps and don't screw up. I mean, that was really the key. So I uh, was able to do that, fortunately, and um, and hang on to it. And, and, you know, we had to pass some lap some lap cars, and um, luckily we were able to catch them in the right places to not lose too much time to Kyle, and, and uh, we were able to hold him off. So feels great. feels amazing to win here two in a row. And, um, you know, the, the thought that maybe it could be three is, uh, is pretty pretty phenomenal. So thankful for a, an incredible team and, uh, and cars and just everybody who makes this thing go for us and uh, really lucky to drive great race cars. And the man who made the call, the winning call, that is, and is also a winner in the NBA Finals, Canadian's own Cole Pern, his mindset on the last run knowing Kyle was coming as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's really stressful. <laughs> you, uh, you make your bed and you got to lay in it for a little bit there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I knew uh, we were – Getting ready to probably lose a bit of time with the 32 that just came off pit road and and um, um, had to come a couple laps earlier than we wanted to. And then Adam made you know the right call that that he did to uh, to go three laps longer and split the run and you know go on the the optimum strategy and and uh, yeah the bed was kind of made you weren't really sure and and Kyle came out ripping off some some pretty quick laps and we were having to get through lap traffic I think a little bit harder than than he had to so. But uh, you know, Martin just Martin settled in and and really took the whole run as a you know as overall and and took care of the car really well and and uh, man just unflappable never made a mistake and you know I think uh, we were doubting it pretty hard there maybe with like ten or twelve to go but then uh, we started matching them and you know that gives you confidence and you know try and relay relay as much as you can to Martin and you know he. Uh, he did a great job there. I thought, you know, the 43 almost went off in track right in front of us, and you know, he uh, he didn't get didn't get too worked up over it, and, and settled in and did a great job. And as my friends Kerry Murphy and Toby Christie say at the final lap weekly, our friend Joe Joe Gibbs, team owner, plus his grandson Ty Gibbs won on a last lap pass at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. I'm really good at saying that for some reason. Uh, for his first career ARCA Series win in St. Louis, bumping Sam Mayer out of the way on the final lap. And he was there, so he flew across the country, got back really late into the wee hours of the morning, and is just really happy to be celebrating another Joe Gibbs Racing victory. Really excited. I really, we really appreciate everybody here. We get a chance to come out to California and Northern California. It's a huge deal for our sponsors. Uh, I called auto owners and I called Bass Pro Johnny. Uh, and Nora Miller from Interstate. When you think about that, our sport is so different in that you have to have great partners like that. And so, huge deal for us. Um, off to a great start. Uh, Dave Wilson from Toyota gave me an interesting. <laughs> I was standing in Winter Circle, and he goes, "Hey, do you realize that Cole and Martin have won this race three different times with three different owners and with the teams?" And I said. You mean it's not the team that gets it done? <laughs> you mean it's these guys? Oh, I get you. 
Uh, but it is pretty amazing. I think Cole and Martin, uh, big deal for us. I thought Kyle did a great job today. Felt bad for Eric. On the last pit stop there, we had a tough time. And then Denny did a good job with FedEx. So big deal for us. I appreciate everybody back home. The Lord's blessed us with a great group of people. And it was a thrill for me to come out here and be honored, like you mentioned, to get on the wall there. It was a big deal for me. And anytime you get something like that, an honor, you think about everybody that it took to get here. I always think back to J.D. spending 27 years of his life building the race team, and you think back to things like that when you get an opportunity to get an honor like that. And Ty won last night, so you're not going on much sleep. Pretty good couple days. <laughs> yeah. our, our little guy last night in St. Louis, we got in at 2 in the morning with that race. Ty. Since I was at Sonoma this past weekend, I was able to grab some post-race audio from some of the top 10 finishers in the media bullpen. So Kyle Busch comes home in second place, and you guys know this. Usually when he finishes second, he is not a happy camper. But he was in somewhat of an introspective mood following the race, which was a little interesting, but I'm all here for it. Um, I I was really about him being introspective. I'll let him take it away and just talk about his day as a whole and racing Martin. I ran pretty hard the majority of that run trying to get there, so I really didn't have a whole lot or I didn't think there was going to be a whole lot of a chance when I got there considering he was going to be riding around saving his tires not not pressing the brakes not pressing the rubber so um, I knew it was going to be a tough order tall order to, to to keep my momentum to keep my speed going for the entire run and when I got to about a second back I tried to push it for one lap real hard to to pounce on him quick to get there before he had a chance to to pick it up and I just I burned the left rear off of it right there and that was it with about five to go so um, you know, wasn't much left after that. What did you say to Truex when you pulled in? What did you say to him? I told him that I told him earlier this weekend he, he sucked here, and uh, I was there when you said that. I told him he was. I was yeah. right. I have that tape, and he shouted back, "Yeah, who's fastest on the practice sheet? Remember?" Yeah, well, yeah, he's uh, he's pretty good here. He's 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 one of the best here. You know, um, year in year out, he's he's always been really good, kind of the guy to beat. And uh, last few years, he's been the guy to beat. So um, you know, I'm. I'm proud of the 18 bunch. The uh, M&M's hazelnut spread Camry was fast. We we at least kept up way better this weekend to the 19. And, um, you know, we, we were within the vicinity at the checker flag at least. Road course Ryan Blaney. Is it too early to say that? And he won the Roval last year, and he finished third here today, or Sunday, I should say. He I, I wrote in my notes, kind of a little road course racer now, huh? Well, I don't know about that. It's getting close, but he did run really, really well. No, I mean, you come in every week and expect them to run well, you know, no matter if it's your best track or your worst track. You just try to – honestly, I don't really go in any weekend expecting to run a certain way. You just try to do your best and and do the best you can during practice to get your car where it needs to be and throughout the race too. So that never, I never really think of stuff like that. But, um, you know, I thought we had pretty good speed all weekend. I thought we had top five speed all weekend, um, not winning speed. Um, and kind of where we hung around all day was, you know, third, fourth, fifth, um, we just able to kind of hang in there and stayed out of trouble and um, were able to come home with a, a good day and race car that's intact, which is good. Matt DiBenedetto was the story of the race, no doubt about it. Career best finish, fourth place for the 95, and it was clicking. he was clicking them off there at the end of the race. He was passing guys like Harvick, Hamlin, Newman. He was very honest, very open, and candid when we caught up with him post-race. Like I said, it's it's one of those feel-good stories. You could kind of hear the emotion in his voice. It was a mix of him being exhausted, um, but also emotional, knowing everything that he's gone through, not only in his career, but more specifically, 
in the past few months and year or so to get to this point to be on the stage that he's at at his home track with some family there watching earning his best career finish here's matt d oh man i can't i cannot explain how thankful and glad i am we got a good run a run we deserve oh it's been a it's been a tough year we just haven't had the results we deserve we've had fast cars and man i i can't i literally can't explain how thankful i am to have this opportunity and how desperate i was to get a run like this and for my team and how many people took a chance on me to drive this thing this year i can't explain to you how many people took to all say yes including the my you know the jgr teammates all the drivers everybody at toyota trd are you know sponsors Procore, dumont jets and team owner uh, everybody on the team wheels my crew chief i'm telling you it took every one of those people to say yes because i'm not and my path to get here is pretty unorthodox and i haven't had the funding to get here i've had to do it the old school way and i don't know how to think all them and my buddy aj Olmendinger told him i'd give him a shout out if i did good he helped me so much hours on the phone i can't thank him enough and dw this one's for him this race is definitely for him I, i'm glad we got a great run for him i was about to say you did it in one of dw's throwback schemes does that make it a little bit more special it does i want it so bad to get a good run for him he's done so much for me in my career things that people may not know about for me personally he helped me out last year always been so supportive just telling me a smile he's such a great person and friend i'm lucky to have gotten to know him and get a my career best finish and his throwback car that's a memory i'll never forget was there something today about this race that was different than the rest of the season did, did something click today or was it just one of those deals where it was circumstance no you know i've had this one circled off in places like bristol phoenix here because i'll be honest this year's been tough because um, the rules are so different where it makes it a little tougher for the driver to make a difference at some of these bigger racetracks it's a lot of car speed and and um track position and so I, it's been tough really mentally challenging so these places where you can just get on the wheel and show the strength of our team and and how we can execute that's the ones we circled off and i was so glad i knew we could get a good run here denny hamlin finished in fifth place kevin harvick was sixth after running around the top five and top ten um, all afternoon long. He was short and sweet post-race. He was longer, though. Uh, I don't want to paint him as, uh, as a bad guy, giving short answers to the media. Um, but this is the one answer that I got the full audio of. And I asked him, and uh, I don't know if it was me, maybe somebody else. We asked him about the carousel, and here's what he had to say. It was fun um, to drive, but as we've seen all year, just really difficult to pass with these cars. Ryan Nonek Newman came home 7th, Eric Jones 8th, Eric Amarola 9th, and Kyle Larson rounded out the top 10 after starting on the pole for the third straight year at Sonoma. Uh, yeah, it was better than normal for us. Uh, I fell back early, but I was just taking care of my stuff, and I seem to be a lot better on long runs than normal, so uh, happy about that, and came away with the top 10, so it was good. Uh, we were just better on the long run, so um, we was able to you know, pass a lot of people there. Um, got that last stint so uh yeah i was happy about it uh, we got stage points which is good so it's a good point day that'll do it for sonoma uh like i mentioned it was not a great race which i was kind of disappointed in because when you go to road courses specifically sonoma the vibe is just super cool like everybody's kind of chilled out they know that it's somewhat of a vacation right um it was just lacking a, a, a few things in all aspects but it's whatever, man. It happens. Uh, I guess I'll just not go to a race ever again, and uh, all the races that I do go to will suck. No driver interview or spotlight for this week, so I apologize to you guys for that. Um, I, I really try to budget my time well when I'm at the track, and 
Um, sent in a couple interview requests, but unfortunately did not get granted any of them for some cup drivers. Um, hopefully we're going to get some K&N drivers on this show somewhat soon if we can make it work time-wise. So be on the lookout, uh, maybe not next weekend because we'll be recapping Roseburg, but the weekend of July 4th, possibly for an interview with Jagger Jones of Sunrise Ford. I do have some questions prepared for him. Hopefully we can catch up in Oregon. Let's look ahead to Chicagoland and Douglas County Speedways, respectively. Chicago, we got triple duty, trucks, Xfinity, and Cup in action. And of course, Ross the Boss Chastain, we'll hear from him later. He's going to be running all three. Um, and the K&N Pro Series West is in Roseburg, Oregon at Douglas County Speedway. I have never been. Very excited to get out to Oregon for the first time in my life and uh, explore the Portland area with Jeff Gluck, my boy. It's going to be the halfway point of the K&N season when the checkered flag flies on this one. Like I mentioned, Derek Krause trying to extend his points lead. He only leads by one marker right now over Haley Deegan. And Chicago, I'm excited about this one. You know why? Slot job, slot job, slot job, slot job. NBC, baby. They're taking over coverage from Fox. If my real ones know, they know. Dun dun. Dun dun. Dun dun. Dun dun. Yeah! NASCAR on NBC is back and better than ever. I cannot wait. Rick Allen, Steve Letarte, Jeff Burton, Dale Jarrett, Chris Devota, Kyle Petty, Rutledge Wood, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Marty Snyder, Kelly Stavist, Dave Burns, everybody that is associated with the Peacock and NASCAR, including myself, because don't say I didn't tell you so, but you're going to see a lot more of this face. Knock on wood, we're going to hopefully do a short weekly segment on NBC Sports Washington previewing the upcoming race, and I have started to write a little bit for the website about NASCAR. It should be fun. I just wrote in my notes, I'm excited AF for that, to be honest. So... That's my preview of Chicagoland and Roseburg. I will say this about Chicago. Last season, we had an incredible race, um, incredible finish. Temperatures are extremely hot. Uh, temperatures are supposed to be very hot this weekend as well, up in the upper 80s, maybe low 90s. If that is going to hold serve, I do not anticipate seeing a good race. This package, this new package that we have for this year with the reduced horsepower and the increased downforce, we've seen that when it's hotter, it's not as good. When it's cooler, the racing is better. So, I'm just warning you, I hope I'm wrong, but history says this year that if the temperatures are hot and the racetrack is hot and slick, cars are going to get spread out. Hopefully, they'll still be able to run multiple lanes, but time will tell and we shall see. I'm very sleep-deprived still, so I'm not going to scream lug nuts of the week. I'm just going to go ahead and cue the music. Hattori Racing Enterprises and Austin Hill, they're going to make their Xfinity Series debuts together at Daytona, not this upcoming weekend, but the following weekend in the 61 Toyota Supra. David Reagan, did you guys see his throwback for David Pearson? It is god-awful. Like, terrible. It it, It does not look anything alike. Everybody was just flaming it on Twitter, which I was here for. Charlotte Motor Speedway made a change to the backstretch chicane for the Roval. Um, no specifics for you here, but essentially before it was not really a passing zone. Now it's very sharp and it is a passing zone. So be on the lookout for that when we go there later on in the playoffs. And I teased it earlier, Ross, the boss, the watermelon man, Chastain did it again. And this time he passed inspection. The man is insane. He is absurd. 
He is incredible. He wins in the truck series at Gateway. Vince Welch, by the way, had an incredible call. I don't even know what he was trying to say, but I was just laughing the entire time. It was a mix of like really good, but also cringeworthy. Like I, I couldn't tell where it was going. But let's hear from Ross. Um, the, the fact that this Nice Motorsports team gets knocked down and Ross specifically, personally, time after time after time, and all the kid does is get back up and whoop some butt is really incredible. But by, by the time this is posted and you're listening, um, hopefully you'll be able to see on frontstretch.com a fire on Friday's column for myself, basically saying like Ross Chastain is doing this to him. He really is out here flexing on him. I mean, it started when, when, when they got home um, last week. This guy was the most, I'd say, animated about it. Um, he's a pretty calm guy. Might have broke his hand whenever he punched the pit box when we just won. But uh, that aside, he was mad. We were all mad. It just didn't feel right last week. Um, we know we broke a rule, but it was just the, the punishment not fit the crime. And and um, But they set a new precedent. NASCAR did. And and uh, they did not waver uh, one one little bit. And, um, and they... You know, we just were we just felt wronged by a lot of the, the processes and the people involved on both sides, competition and upper management. So, I mean, I'm being honest about that. It was we were mad. Um, well, I'm not saying we had the fastest truck tonight, but um, it was it was about execution and just and just. I mean, that's our that's my that's my last thing I say before the race with this team is execute. But that's all we have to do, and we can win. That'll wrap things up for episode 17 of Victory Lane 2.0. How do you say 17 in Spanish? Is it? Diecisiete? I don't know. Oh, quince? No. Siete? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to stop. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, all those things you can get this program on. I really do appreciate it. Thank you to Toby Christie of The Final Lap for including my podcast on his podcast page on his website, tobychristie.com. Be sure to check that out for all great podcasts. That's all I got for you this week, party people. Hope to see you back here next week. I will be back with a complete recap from Roseburg, Oregon, a slightly less comprehensive recap from Chicagoland Speedway, a slight preview of the upcoming weekend at Daytona International Speedway as I will be at the beach celebrating my birthday as well as July 4th. Happy early Independence Day. Happy early birthday to me. I will see you guys next week. Peace and love.